Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. I pray that although this year's Mother's Day looks and feels different than most years, I pray that you still feel loved and appreciated today. I know that normally on Mother's Day, in one of our services at DCC, I would normally present my wife, my mom, if she's there with us, and my mother-in-law with uh, a bouquet of roses. Obviously, this Mother's Day is different, and I do want my wife, my mom, and my mother-in-law to know how much I love you, and I appreciate you so much, and we'll figure out a way to make it up to you. Today, I want to speak to all of the women watching. I want to talk to women with children. I want to talk to women that have not been able to conceive. Um, You're not broken. You're not malfunctioning. God has collected all of your tears, and I believe that he is watering a harvest for you. I want to talk to women who have lost children, both pre-birth and post-birth, and and just to reassure you that they're not lost, that, that God has them. And I'm not saying that the men will not get anything out of this message today. I I do feel like God wants me to speak specifically to the heart of women on this Mother's Day 2020. You know, for years, our society has presented to us women that at first glance, they appear to be perfect. On TV, magazines, online, they have what appears to be perfect women on display. These unblemished, airbrushed works of art have caused men and women to have an unrealistic image of what a woman should look like. And many women, and and even some of you watching, you have become inferior because you know that you'll never live up to those standards. What is extremely disheartening is that many churches also expect women to appear perfect. Not necessarily as supermodels, I'm not necessarily talking about looks, although some churches are concerned with that. But what I'm concerned with is how churches want you to feel like your life has to appear all put together and flawless. Or, or maybe it's just a feeling that is self-imposed. Maybe it's something that, that we as, as human beings, we want to present ourselves as perfect. And this has caused way too many people to put on a facade of perfection that is just not the real you. You show up to church and, and you and your children look put together. Your marriage looks healthy, but you know that at home things are falling apart Your house is a wreck. You can't afford the car that you drive. Your emotions are constantly on edge. And there are times, women, that you wonder if your life is the only one that's messed up. You see other women that have the same family unit that you do, and and it seems like they're living their best life. All the while, you're struggling just to keep your head above water. Let's get real today. That's what I want to do with this message. At best, your life is a hot mess. There are some days that are absolutely better than others, and it's on those days that you feel good about yourself. And then there are those days that life is so bad that you feel like you you need to go down to the hospital and lick every door handle because COVID-19 doesn't seem so bad. Uh, Your life is both beautiful and hideous. Most days, it's controlled chaos. You know I'm talking to some of you right now. In the words of the great lyricist Rob Bass, it's joy and pain, sunshine, and rain. That describes your life. And then you come to church, and you hear about all the goody two-shoes in the Bible. Ruth was so faithful. We know that Esther was courageous. Mary, Mary was so innocent. Let's be honest. It's hard for you to relate to these women, and if God is grading on a bell curve, then Mary has set the standard pretty high. 
So I searched. I searched through God's word and I looked through the Bible to find a woman with blemishes. A woman that didn't have it all together and certainly didn't qualify for the hall of faith. A woman that her life was so messed up they didn't even tell us her name. I want to read today out of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read a few verses here, and then I'm, I'm going to take a break and talk for a moment, and then we're going to come back and read the end of it. Luke chapter 7, I want to start reading at verse 36 today. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him, him being Jesus, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. You know, everybody wanted to have Jesus over for dinner. If you wanted to throw a party, of course you wanted to, to invite the who's who to your party. And at this particular event, Jesus was an honored guest because Jesus, at this moment in his ministry, he was the talk of the town. He had healed the leper. He had given sight to the blind. He raised the widow's son from the dead. And so, People are, are enamored with him. People uh, uh, look at him as, as, as a figurehead that, that is, is leading this ministry, and they want to be near him. They want to be close to Jesus. And though this sinful woman's sins are not detailed for us, we know that it's assumed that she's, she was a prostitute. She was a woman of the street. The Amplified Bible called her an especially wicked woman. The New Living Translation describes her as a certain immoral woman. One thing is for sure, she was not welcome to attend this dinner party. She was not on the guest list. She was not invited. And she probably didn't want to be there anyway because she knew what people were, were, saying, what, what people were saying about her. She, she could see their rude stares. She could hear their whispers when she walked by. But there was something about Jesus. This Jesus guy was different than most men. His words were kind and not cruel. His, his look was a look of compassion and not judgment. And so she was drawn to him. She didn't just show up to just get a, a glimpse of the guest of honor. That was not her mission. She had every intention of, of getting face to face with him. She wanted to meet Jesus. And when she would get close enough to him, her actions would become very offensive to everyone else that was there. Thursday evening, I stood before a group of people that had gathered for our Jericho march at the New Church property, right here on this property. And I, I read to them from Joshua chapter 6, where Joshua saved the life of a woman that was living in Jericho simply because she saved the life of, of two of Israel's spies that were sent into the city before the walls came down. We know this woman's name was Rahab, and Rahab was a prostitute. The Bible tells us that after Joshua sent the men in to save her, that she lived in Israel for the rest of her life and that she married a good Jewish man. She had a Jewish family. This Canaanite woman had a Jewish family and she was accepted into the fold. 
I told our group Thursday night that when the walls come down around our church, now not the literal walls, but, but when the spiritual walls come down around our church and people are allowed to come in, that God is going to send people to our church that nobody else wants. Why? Because he doesn't see them as they are. God sees them as who they can be. God sees them through eyes of grace, of mercy. We're going to have the opportunity to minister to people and families that nobody else wants because God will use imperfect people like me, imperfect people like you at this imperfect church to reach an imperfect world, all because we have a perfect Savior. Rahab, we know from the, the story in Joshua, she hung a scarlet cord out of her window to, to signify that this is where I'm at. This is my location so that they would know where to come to, to rescue her and not just her, but her family. A scarlet cord. You know, a scarlet cord still saves lives today. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13 and 12 tells us, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. That scarlet cord still saves lives. And you don't have to have it all together to be okay with God. You know, God loves a mess because he uses a mess to create a masterpiece. And in your defense, Jesus addresses the naysayers for you. Listen to what Jesus said to the, to the uh, Pharisee that was the host of the party. Luke chapter 7, verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. He said, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? He said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't be a host like a Pharisee. You see, that spirit, when, when it attaches to our souls, when it becomes who we are, you begin to judge everyone else by their, by, by their actions, but you wouldn't judge yourself by your intentions. The Pharisees, they had grace for themselves, but guilt for those that were living in a hot mess. They had no grace. They had no mercy. And it wasn't that they were better than anyone else. They were just better at appearing like they had it all together. So, so let's talk about what this woman brought to the table. First of all, what about the tears? The, the tears. Everyone in that room had problems. There was not one problem or, or one person there that did not have a problem. They all walked in with, with hopes that Jesus would perform a miracle on their lives. We all have that hope. Their problem was that they had too much pride, and that was going to, to cause them to try and impress Jesus. I'm not messed up. I don't need any help. 
And pride keeps people from getting blessed, but not this sinful woman, because the closer that she would get to Jesus, the more emotional that she would become. Finally, she would just collapse and begin to cry at his feet, overcome with emotions, because she was not too prideful. No, she was washing her feet with, his feet with her tears. And then her hair. In that day and age, her hair would have been bound up according to social custom. And to let her hair down in public would have been bold. It would have been provocative. If she would have been married, it would have been grounds for divorce. But you see, this wasn't about seduction. This was about surrender. No doubt she had used her hair to seduce men, but now she couldn't look at him in his face. No, there was something different about this man. So instead, she let her hair down while she's crying just to dry his feet. She could care less about how she looked. You know, sometimes we've just got to let our hair down and become vulnerable with our God. He already knows. We're not hiding anything from him. We may try, but our God is omniscient. He knows it all already, even before we say it, even before we show it. We've got to let our hair down and be vulnerable with God. Then there's the kiss. You know, in the most public of places, this woman performs one of the most intimate yet innocent of acts. It, it's so easy to do this to sweet little babies. Oh, you know, we will let their little feet rub all over our faces when they're infants. But when they become older, it's not so cute anymore. I remember when, when our kids were just, just, just babies. And, and I remember taking uh, their feet. I remember taking Caleb's little feet and rubbing them all over my chin. But now at 22 and size 11, that's not happening. I, I'm not getting anywhere near his feet. For a woman to kiss the feet of a grown man, it would have been considered nasty, even scandalous. But this was all that she knew. She earned a living giving men physical affection and men would pay her to touch them and to kiss them. And for her to lavish such attention on this man for free, it was the ultimate gift to him. Don't read anything else into it. This was just a moment where she was caught up in emotion and all she knew was to, to dry her tears off of his feet with her hair and then just to kiss his feet. And then there's the perfume. You know, out of everything that happened, the perfume seems to be the one that, that gets every, everyone's attention. It's the same perfume that she would adorn herself with when she was trying to pick up a man. And now she would take that perfume and she would pour it all over his feet. And this becomes the object of attention to so many people in the room. We know that in the other three gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and John, that there are recorded instances where a woman anoints the, the feet of Jesus or anoints Jesus with perfume. And in those gospels, those actions cause the disciples to discuss how the, the perfume could have been sold and the money used for something more meaningful. You see, they didn't understand how important that this moment was. How could something, how, how could she use something so disgraceful to worship Jesus? And the answer is simple. It was all that she had. It was all that she had, and that is all that he wants, all that we have. When we're willing to surrender it all to Jesus. You see, this represented a lifestyle to her. She no longer needed that perfume. 
it, it, that, that, that lifestyle was behind her. She's moving forward with God. She's moving forward with grace. And she no longer needed the perfume. She no longer needed to seduce men because she found a man that would love her for the right reasons. Finally, finally someone that would appreciate her for the creation that she was. And Jesus pointed out to the Pharisee that, that the one that is forgiven for much more expresses love that much more. And so if anyone ever tries to question your exuberant worship and your exuberant praise to your God, just tell them that you've got a lot to worship God for. And so mom, wife, woman of God, your life right now may not be how you envisioned it. Your goals, your dreams may be long forgotten. Your world may resemble more of a hot mess than blessed, but don't worry, don't worry. Yours would not be the first hot mess that he has blessed. All you have to do is just surrender it to him. And I believe today that even in your hot mess, God's ready to bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the women that are listening right now. Some of them, Lord, this message has spoken directly to their hearts because, Lord, you care that much for them that even in the middle of their mess, Lord, you look through all of that. You see who they can be, but accept them for who they are. God, I pray that every woman listening right now would be encouraged. God, let this be a Mother's Day that they will never forget because you wrapped your loving arms around them. Lord, just surround them right now. Just surround them. Let them feel their Heavenly Father loving them, protecting them, providing for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for caring. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that surrounds us even right now. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You have yet to make that decision. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's so simple. You're just going to say a prayer. You're going to repeat a prayer after me. There's people that have been praying for you all morning. And right now, you feel the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart, drawing you in. And unless the Holy Spirit draws you to the Father, you can't come. But right now, you feel it. This is your moment. And so I'm going to say this prayer, and I want you to make my prayer your prayer. As you repeat it after me, make my prayer your prayer. Would you just look up to heaven and let's say it together? Say, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today... I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. We praise God for what he's done in your life today, and we want to continue to celebrate that with you. You know, you've got to tell somebody. You don't want to be ashamed of what, what Christ has done in your life. If you're ashamed of him before men, he'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Don't be ashamed. 
We're going to make this so easy for you today. All we want you to do is let us know of this decision that you made today to follow Christ. Just go to destinycommunitychurch.org connect. Go down to the decision form. Fill that out. And when you fill that out, we're going to put a book in the mail to you that tells you all about your next steps. It's not going to cost you anything. We're going to give this book to you. We want you to have it. But more than that, we want you to tell us so that we can continue to celebrate this decision that you've made in your life today. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.